Hello and welcome to the Athena in the Well podcast. My name is Joy Bertrand and I'm your host. For the past 20 years, I've been trying cases, first as a state and federal prosecutor and for the past 15 years as a civil rights and criminal defense lawyer. My work has been featured on CNN, NBC, The Washington Post, CBS, Telemundo, and Univision. I teach trial advocacy and trial communication all over the world. This podcast takes the timeless teachings of the goddess of Athena and applies them to the work of women trial lawyers. Using her four primary strengths of master strategist, fiercely independent, creative goddess, and ferocious warrior, we apply these principles to the tools needed to be the most effective advocate for our clients before juries and judges, and in the process, help you find your voice, take your space, and command the courtroom. Welcome. Lexley, welcome to our first episode of Woo Woo Wednesday, bonus content for the Athena in the Well podcast, where we talk about energy and how to harness energy in our lives. And what we've invited our students to do is simply show up with an open mind and a soft heart and take what they need. Lexley, share with us a little bit about yourself, please. I'm so excited to be here, Joy. I absolutely love what you're you're doing with Athena and even the the Woo Woo Wednesday is right up my alley. (laughs) I have, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I've been a trial lawyer for 25 years. And over the last mm, eight or nine years, I've been on a path of doing coaching and consulting work with lawyers that involves really about how to harness energy, exactly what today is about. How do we manage our energy? How do we become stronger mentally, physically, emotionally, and this work that we do as lawyers in this profession, as you know, is is one that is filled with anxiety and stress. And on the best day, it's filled with anxiety and stress. Right. And, you know, all the numbers and statistics that we see about what is that call, you know, what is it affects upon us um, are, are really staggering, uh, and including depression and alcohol and drug abuse and even the suicide rates being higher with lawyers. So I have a real passion for this work. And it began when I was a young lawyer, only about five years into my tri- trial practice, but I was trying a lot of cases. And so at the young age of 30, found myself in an emergency room after leaving um, a hearing thinking I was having a heart attack. And they thought I was too at 30 years old. It was not a pleasant experience. And it ends up that I wasn't, but that my body was having some issues with esophagus, which they wanted to put me on all kinds of medication. And I'm like, there is nothing wrong with me. I need to slow down. I am a young mother who works probably 70 hours a week and I am just overwhelmed. And it set me on a path of how do I do this? Because I loved my trial work. But I recognized at 30 that if I kept on the path that I was going, it was going to, it, it was going to kill me in some way. Like it was literally physically making sick. So that's how I started into how do we manage our energy? And it really started with mental and meditation, all different kinds of things. But today, as we sit here in the world on March 31st, 2020, we're really all of us in a lot of anxiety and stress. So this is a very timely time for you to be doing this podcast. Yes. And Lexley, Mind Over Law is the name of your company, correct? Yes. And and Mind Over Law is what does the consulting and the energy work as well? 
Yes. Well, and when we talk about energy work, I did go on a path after spending years as a meditator, I started studying some ancient traditions, including a lot of different versions of energy medicine, which are some, you know, in some of the indigenous tribes, some ancient practices, and have taken those practices and incorporated them in a modern way to help us to manage our energy right now. So what I do with lawyers ranges from doing one-on-one -on -one work, you and I've done one-on-one -on -one work, mm -hmm. where we are literally preparing ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally for the for the big trials right the big battles of going into trial but really trying to get ahead of that and get in a place where we're managing this fight or flight response and this low level of chronic stress that we stay in in this profession so using these energy practice and doing one-on-one -on -one work and then i do work with trial teams but i also teach workshops across the country that are really about personal development self-development of how do we manage our own energy? And what I mean by energy is our thoughts, our emotions, and then therefore our actions. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking of so woo-woo terms in, in when you start to, to um, bring it down to the space of everything begins with our thoughts. What we're thinking then fuels what our emotions are. Mm -hmm. And so it, the first step that I teach everyone in awareness of energy is that awareness. So Mind Over Law is, is, is the name of the company, but, and it incorporates all of that together. Yeah, you know, I have to say that what you're doing is real. I probably now, gosh, five, six years ago, I finished a jury trial. I was totally wiped out. I went to lunch with a friend of mine and so I was in like my early 40s and he said, Joy, with the way you try cases, you're going to have to decide. You're either going to have to change how you try them, meaning what you do to yourself, not the technical part of it, or you're going to be dead by 50. Right. And that prompted me to do some of my own transition career-wise, but also to look at what, what part of this can I control? I can't control the judge or the jury or opposing counsel, but I can control my end of things and how I'm reacting. And so fast forward six years and I'm in another murder trial and you and I were working together. And one of the reflections I had was that I don't feel edgy. It's the, like, I feel like I should be edgy and I'm not. What we were talking about what the differences and you said, and I'd like you to elaborate, it was, it's the quelling of the fight or flight response that mm -hmm. that meditation, even 15 minutes every morning before trial helps you find. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. And so what you're talking about as far as like, you know, I look at this as different phases in doing this work. There's the work that we do beforehand, before a trial. There's the work we do in a trial to maintain to be in optimal state while we're in the battle. And then there's the work afterwards, because after a trial, win or lose, there's such an energy drain because it's so all consuming how we have to be to re be really good trial lawyers, that there's the work and that we have to do on being resilient. Yeah. And how do we, how do we bring energy back in and harness energy so that we can keep going? So all of these practices, whatever phase they can be used in all um, the practices can be used in all of the phases and it's really better to begin before you're in the, the midst of the battle because it's not going to work for you. When I say that it's practices, it's really about training the mind and the body. So right now in our world, lawyers and non-lawyers, most of us live in a state of fight or flight. And what I mean by that is the mind doesn't know that 
you having a reaction of fear or anxiety from an email from a difficult opposing counsel is any different than the experience of a tiger being right, right. in front of you, getting ready to devour you. Right. So the mind actually perceives it as the same. And so this body and mind is an incredible machine and automatically goes into an involuntary response that you can't help, which includes loading in adrenaline and cortisol into our system. So what's happening is most of us on a daily base, basis are staying in this low level fight or flight, which science has absolutely proven this low level anxiety stress response that we're not getting out of is it weakens your immune system and it is the basis of almost every cause of disease today. So chronic inflammation, the inability to sleep, it goes into people not being able to sleep, which then also affects the body physically. The other thing is, is that what's happening in the mind when we're in fight or flight is that the, all of the energy is being taken out of wherever the body and mind doesn't think it needs to be. So if we're meant to be defending ourselves from a threat, all of a sudden we just have like wide senses of like being able to scan what's here and it, the mind takes the energy away from the parts of the brain, like the frontal lobe that we need to be in for analytical and critical thinking and on our feet thinking in the courtroom. So in, being, the moment. in the moment thinking, yes. So being in fight or flight actually takes the energy away from the frontal lobe. I mean, they've proven this by doing scans and people having different responses and seeing what happens to the brain when we're in this state. So being in this state actually makes us weaker, not just physically, but mentally. And obviously the emotional response, we've all seen this. We're in a state where we feel like we're just putting out the hottest fire and we're never catching up. And there's just this anxiety around like when I wake up, there's an anxiety of what's going to happen in my day. And emotionally that puts you in a place where you are reacting instead of choosing how to respond, which is not where we want to be as a lawyer, right? And your, and your work with Athena and talking about being a master um, strategist, we can't be a master strategist if all we're doing is reacting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause strategy takes foresight. And if you're constantly just answering a bombardment, you can't think ahead. You can't keep your eye on the ultimate goal because right. you're so busy managing the minutiae right in front of you. That's right. a good point. And managing the, the, what's right here in front of us also takes away from creativity because when we are in a chronic state of being in stress, it is an energy drain on our system, just like we talked about. It's an energy drain mentally and physically and emotionally. And we only have so much energy to invest every day. So I, I always tell people, think of it like you wake up today and you get $100 in your bank of energy money. And where you spend your thoughts and your emotions is is part of how you spend that money. And if we're already in a, an energy drain, we're already like whew, spending that hundred dollars very quickly. Uh -huh. So what happens is, is when we go into the red, it starts to affect us in different ways. And one of the first places it affects us is on creativity. You have to have energy to be creative. If you can't be creative, it's affecting your ability to be a strategist. Uh -huh. Exactly. Exactly. And that takes strength. I mean, and, and it's also going to take from the other dia diagonal, the warrior independence, 
part of what we're going to be talking about with warrior maintenance is maintaining strength. This is incredibly physically demanding practice. It is not all neck up by any stretch. And what I hear you saying and that, that I think really resonates with me is this idea that when you are able to manage your energy better, you can also then manage your health better. You can manage the instrument that you've been given to be that warrior. And you can also stand on your own two feet. That, that first chakra independence feeling takes a lot of strength. That's why all the big muscle groups are from the hips down. And when you're weak and you're drained, those are going to be the first areas I would think that go. Right. Because um, your, your body's just kind of triaging at that point in care. Right. And so, you know, one of the first things that I ask people is to think about is what are the energy during your life? Mm -hmm. So right now where we are with everything that's going with the pandemic, there are a lot of energy drains that are happening with everyone. And one of them is mindlessly going through social media, yeah. listening to media that is repeating a negative perspective over and over again. That is a drain on us energetically, mentally, and emotionally. So it's important. And, you know, if let's say we weren't in this situation, when I ask lawyers what their energy drains are, and this is anywhere, the definition of that would be, think about the people uh, in your life, think about the relationships in your life, Think about the circumstances that whatever you're doing it, you just feel exhausted. And a lot of times mm -hmm. lawyers feel exhausted all the time. And it's because their work is not something that they're actually in control of the energy of. But we allow ourselves to get invested in the fight, like with opposing counsel, get wrapped up in things or difficult clients. So it's starting to look at, you know, where am I losing energy in my life that I can start to harness it back? Mm -hmm. And the idea that that's up to you to decide. Right. People don't take it from you. Right. You give it to them. And I thought that was when you, we started talking about that a couple months ago, that was a paradigm shift because it's so easy to get pulled into other people's. I mean, the, the common word right now is drama, which is kind of not accurate here, but that I did, they can pull you into their field and actually feed off your energy. And it's up to you to decide. That's me. That's me acting with agency to decide what I give and what I don't give. Right. Beautiful way to put it. And it's, it's really about creating boundaries and realizing that we're in control. If we go back to that example where I said, you know, I went through all these tests after thinking I was having a heart mm -hmm. attack and they're like, well, here's your solution. You're going to take some medicine. And I realized, no, I'm not, because that's going to put me in a place where I'm going to be dependent upon medicine just to feel good in my normal daily living. Right. So I started to realize that I had to figure out what was draining me. And I started in on meditation was the first practice, but I don't want to jump there with our audience because yeah. a lot of people immediately turn off. Um, but it really comes <laughs> down, yeah, really comes down to first just starting to think about how you think. So that is a conscious choice. It is something we can make a conscious choice. Most times it's very unconscious. So what I mean by that is like right now, if we take what is our number one fear with this pandemic going on? Um, I've been doing a lot of work in the last two weeks with lawyers and the number one fear around everything sounds something like this. Um, 
the courts are closed, I'm being required to work at home. If the courts are closed, I can't move my cases. If I can't move my cases, money is going to stop flowing in. And a matter of fact, if I'm like a criminal lawyer or a family lawyer, someone who's having to pay a retainer, nobody's hiring a lawyer right now because right. nobody has the ability to work. So I'm not going to have any money flowing in. And therefore, I always go into worst case scenario. Therefore, I'm going to become bankrupt and close my firm. Right. right. And we literally do that in like 10 seconds in our, in our mind unconsciously. And so what happens is, is that same response we were just talking about. When I start thinking that way, my mind automatically perceives the threat of survival. And literally in this time, we really are in a threat of survival. There's a health threat for, for some people. And it is, a you know, literally, am I going to survive this mm -hmm. if I'm someone who's, you know, a higher risk, et cetera. But also when we're talking about our work, it is a survival threat and that I'm not going to be able to survive because I'm not going to have a business. And so the mind and the body is having that response. All of a sudden, we're feeling very anxious and very fearful. And we're in a really heightened fight or flight right now with most people. And what's interesting is it's, this is happening in the collective. This isn't just one person here and there having a bad week. This right. is an entire country jumping to the worst case scenario and therefore hoarding toilet paper. Like it, it, when you see it that way, you can, it's really a sad that that's what human beings do, but it, it's so helpful to see it at the macro level here that that's what the stock market's doing. Mm -hmm. um, people are doing and clearing out, you know, entire grocery stores um, of canned goods. It's that same fight or flight response. Instead of just saying, hold up, the end of April is not far. Right. Well, and people just, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. So when we have a lot of change and we're not in control, which there's a lot we're not in control of right now. So we're having this fight or flight response. It's primal. It's totally normal to have it. It is the job of the mind to, to protect you and to perceive threat. So although it's a normal response, we can control it. And so I'm going to ask you, like, I would say to someone, if I was working with you one-on-one, -on -one, I'd say, what is the fear right now? And I want you for a moment just to allow yourself to free flow, right? The thoughts, just the way that I just did that train of thought, because when you become aware of it, you will catch yourself the next time you start to go in it. Okay. So uh -huh. it's first step is awareness and everything that you're doing at everything that we do, whether we're looking at it as um, I want to change something in my life, or if I'm looking at the Athena model, everything begins with awareness, everything. Mm -hmm. So if I have awareness, then I can change something. If I don't have awareness, my mind and my body are going to go in unconscious familiar patterns. And for lawyers, our minds are actually even trained to see the worst case scenario, right? We're supposed to predict what's going to happen and come up with a plan. And unfortunately, we're always predicting like the worst. It's like, and that's how we're trained to think. So that makes it hard on us because when we're trained like that, it's, it's hard to separate it out professionally, just thinking about a client's case to what we're doing personally. So it takes really being diligent about guarding where your mind is. What is the flow of thoughts? And so there are lots of different ways of doing that, of practices to help you. One is doing what I just said, journaling it and realizing it. The second is 
doing a meditation practice. And so, you know, you raised, you, you said, you know, when we're listening on the podcast, people might not have been able to see what you did, Joy, when I mentioned this work, the meditation, she pointed to herself. Um, and the problem is, is because the mind is always going, this monkey mind that we have, especially as lawyers, there's a big myth that we're supposed to sit down and meditate and not have a thought. And that's just not going to happen. The job of the mind is to think. So usually when I tell people that there's like a sign of relief, like, okay, well then I'm not so crazy that I sat down and couldn't think of anything about my, you know, couldn't stop my to-do list from coming into my mind. It's meant to think. So what meditation does is help the mind. We train it. It is the most ancient practice of training your mind to be more powerful. And they've actually shown that scientifically that like consistent meditation just for eight weeks, a mindfulness practice for 20 minutes a day for eight weeks, literally starts to change the frontal lobe. Like you're, you're growing the brain. So I tell law students when I talk about meditation, it's like, it's making you smarter. That's why you need to do it. And then, you know, and they'll get hooked in on it on that way. But a mindfulness practice practice is really just about learning to focus in onto one thing. And it takes practice. It's something that you might go three seconds with being able to focus on your breath and then have to go. And then you start thinking about something else. Is that what your experience was? Well, my my res- my reservation about meditation, even as a former yoga instructor, was the it's I'm just a very kinetic person. So the idea of sitting on a tuffet, you know, in lotus pose, which I couldn't do even at the peak of my teaching, was so just hands on the soft side of the soap feeling. Just oh god, no! I I'm fine with the like if I'm moving, and I think that's why, for example, flow yoga is so popular. Is because there isn't that stillness that there is uh yoga where the the postures are held or yin the ultimate where the postures are held for minutes at a time and it it still is giving the body the mind something to do because it can focus on something the breath and something going on physically and still and that's why i used to tell my students in savasana the little nap at the end corpse pose of yoga is the hardest posture to master yeah they can do standing splits and you know, all flamingo or whatever, but they can't lay still. Right. Well, because we become really good at what we um, keep our energy into. And right now we all have a PhD in distraction. I mean, like we just do, we have, we have practiced that we become, that's what I meant to say. We become really good at what we practice and we practice distraction all the time. So, you know, I, what I also encourage people is it doesn't have to be meditation. doesn't have to be sitting in a dark room, you know, uh, still with a candle lit meditative practices. There are many different kinds. Writing is a meditative practice. You could make washing the dishes a meditative practice. If you become completely immersed in actually experiencing washing the dishes. So mindful of what's happening. Meaning when I want to, when I do that, sometimes I do that to just center myself when I'm washing dishes is to literally experience the water. What does it feel like to run on your hands? What is the soap smell? What is the sound of the dishes sound like? Mm-hmm. Like really having a mindfulness practice of what's happening here. That's something we normally just do on rote and we're thinking about it in different other things, but that simple practice is training the mind to be focused. So little different, knowing different kinds of meditative techniques like that 
make it much easier for lawyers to start to practice them. And the whole goal is we are getting out of the monkey mind and we're training the mind to be really focused and clear and calm and centered, which helps us in everything that we do. So the more you practice it, the better you become. Yeah, I'm wondering as you're describing this and how we have to kind of retrain ourselves is if part of the, um, I'll call it the American panic right now about being ordered to shelter in place, being told you have to be still, isn't in part just a response to the, I can't do that. Oh my God, what? You want me to be in my house with my family? No, this is totally unsustainable. And that idea that, you know, like, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And this, I think every American I know had that moment of, what do you mean be in my house? What do you mean with my family? Right. <laughs> and yeah. that this could be converted into somewhat of a gift if it's just the opportunity to be yes. still. Um, yeah. There are other cultures out there that are fine with more leisure in their life leisure in a positive way and fine with more quiet in their lives that are doing just fine. Well, actually the having learning to be in that space actually is a way that you harm. Mm -hmm. And there are practices that you can do when you are in stillness that help you to do that. It's also a place where we tap into inner awareness. And so all of those things, you know, that help with being creative and being the strategist, you know, as a part of um, mindset practices that I teach joy, that's one of the things I um, include in a daily practice for people is sitting for five minutes and asking a question and listening to what comes forth for you. And sometimes that's not sitting still. Now you get in when you're in the shower and all of a sudden you get this great idea or when you're sleeping that this idea comes in and you're like, Oh, I need to wake up and I need to write that down. That's because you finally have gotten, your mind has stopped all the noise enough where it can get through to you. Like, yes, here's an idea on that. But because you've been thinking about a million different things at once, I can't, you can't hear it. So a lot of times when people start to get a consistent mindfulness practice, this is what happens is we become more creative. We, we, have more inspiration for what we need. So I also think that what's going on right now with everybody being shelter at home is just this idea that we're not in control. And as lawyers in our normal work, we feel the need to be in control, but we're really not in control. We never were. (laughs) Right. For a lot of things. And so it's really a misconception and starting to realize that how we think about that is a really important part of being able to maintain energy and to have resiliency after the battle. So I talk a lot and teach a lot about non-attachment, which which I think really fits into Athena's part Mm -hmm. of the Athena uh, model of being fiercely independent is non-attachment to people's opinions, et cetera, but it's also not attached to the outcome. So that we are not defined by whether or not we win or lose. We have to start to find our purpose and our fulfillment in, in, in the service that we're giving to our clients because we're not going to win every time. And so that's a really deep lesson for us to learn because it can be a really huge energy drain to fight and feel like you didn't get what you wanted and then turn that judgment on yourself that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't whatever. And you know what I mean, Joy. You want to, what do you, you want to hear what you're thinking about that? 
Well, I think that's so true. I mean, it, it, and that's just human nature because in, in part, you're so invested here about a client and the kind of client, the, the kind of lawyers you work with are the kind of lawyers I run around with that are, that are not just in this to make a living. They, they really are in it out of a sense of vocation. But with that comes a, a different level of investment in connection with clients so that by the time they go to trial and and I know some people don't, especially in the criminal context, don't understand this. It can be a homicide trial. And by the time the lawyer gets to trial, they love that client. They, they are so connected to that person and in no way excuses whatever conduct has been, but that they have come to see the human being that they're working for. And when you lose a trial and you've come to care about this client and you've been in the trenches with them and that client trusts you because of that connection. It is a very leveling experience to, mm -hmm. to get a bad verdict. And one of the most helpful things I had a colleague say to me after a verdict that gave me peace was that you did your job. Someone else failed. If you can say with integrity, you know, you might've changed a couple things, but you did your job. But there's so many other people in that room. All you can do is your part. And understand when the jurors, for example, get the case for deliberation, when they get the evidence and they get the instructions, the job's on them now. Right. The job's on the judge to instruct the jury properly. The jo job is on opposing counsel to do their job with integrity, but also to hold up their end of things. You know, the this, this system only works if, it, if it's truly matched equals. And so that idea that doing your part has to be enough, it doesn't take away the sting of a loss, but it does give you, it gave me the ability to get up and fight again, because that I can do. I can't control all these other things, but I sure as hell can get up and keep connecting with clients, keep pushing cases, keep making sure I haven't missed it, so that when I go to bed at night, I have peace. Right. And so this idea of, you know, that we're not really in control, if we can come into the place of all I can do is control where I am right now and in this moment and, and that winning, whether you're a lawyer or not, is about in this moment giving the best of who I am. And when we're talking about everything that's happening right now with this pandemic, it is important to like, because there's a lot of out of control, this idea of coming back to the present moment and what can I do right now? And what are my thoughts right now that help to empower me as opposed to disempower? Mm -hmm. And so the idea, like what you were talking about with trial and understanding that if I do everything that I can, then that is all that I can, that's all that I can, the, the standard I have to set for myself. And not turning a loss into therefore I'm a bad person or I wasn't enough. Okay. So same thing here with the idea of the fear that we talked about in the beginning of the train of thought is this scarcity failure, right? There's not, you know, the courts are going to close, they're not going to have money, all that things that I said, the worst case scenario, I'm going to become bankrupt. So realizing that that train of thought puts you in anxiety. So what do you do with that? Because that's a natural way of thinking. So what we want to do is when we have awareness of it, we can come back and one, I would say, we need to do something to shift the body because when we start to be in that state, mm -hmm. automatically our nervous system has had a response. We are feeling anxious and there, there's literally a chemical response. So one of the things that we can do is just come to the breath and taking a long, slow breath resets 
the nervous system. So the technique that I teach people is the seven breath is the easiest one I can teach is breathing in for a count of seven, holding it in for a count of seven, breathing out for a count of seven and holding out count for a count of seven. So I'm resetting my physical body nervous system by doing that and just repeating it. And then second, and this goes back to what you were talking about, Joy, about what do I take away from this experience? How do I think about it? And the beliefs I have will change who I am, really. So if I'm in the fear of being in anxiety and then I'm going to be bankrupt, my experience right now is going to be very fearful, anxious, not sleeping, and probably really irritable to everybody else in the house with me, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can catch that thought, and if I can recognize that I've had a physical response, do something to shift it. Breath is the easiest way, long, slow, deep breaths. Then I need to give myself a thought that's more empowering. Your thought at the end of that trial is um, what? If it's an empowering thought, let's say it's a trial loss, but you want to make an empowering thought around it, what would it be? The first thing that came to mind would be in the criminal context where you say, "I look, I showed my clients I affected, I I changed the narrative about my, Terry Lennon does that incredibly well in the death penalty context where he's able to humanize clients um, and build real empathy for them. And and to, in order to have done that means that you were present with your client. So I was really present with my client could be a thought that's more empowering. And, and I know, you know, this joy, when we are more present and we are a witness to their story and whatever their journey is and being able to bring humanity in, what is the gift that you give them? Love. Yeah. Love. That's, I mean, that's true. Unconditional love is I'm just here to walk with you. And you may be the only person if they've, if they were accused of committing some terrible crime, you may be the only person that has given them that in years, right? If ever. Right. If ever. So in what I, so the empowering thought could be is I, I am love and I gave the gift of love and I know that that made a difference. My work is making a difference. I'm going to, I'm going to follow that train of thought. My work helped this person as a person, whether I win or lose, um, I help to make some kind of difference. My work matters. And even if I, even if I lose, there's a purpose in this that's bigger than the verdict, um, is a way that that train of thought can shift. Right. So let's bring it back to our fear that most of us are having right now. If I don't do the most worst case scenario of end up in bankruptcy, what is a thought once I shift my physical state that I could use right now? That's really empowering. And the one that I even had to use last, I think the first week. And so it was about a week and a half ago of like really realizing all this that I had to come back to several times in one day mm-hmm. to be really conscious of what my own thoughts were was this mantra. And it, you, I want to say this, that mantra means mind training. It's literally, I want to train my mind to be in a different state. I don't want to be in, in anxiety of bankruptcy. I want to be in a different place. So this mantra training my mind to be different is right now in this moment i have everything i need Mm -hmm. so what that does is one brings me back to the present moment which is the only thing that i can control is my thought and my feelings in the present moment 
It's the most powerful state that we could have. And that's why mindfulness meditation is all about the present moment. That example of washing the dishes and being really yeah. present with it right? So right now in this moment, I have everything I need. And every client that I've talked with in the last two weeks, that's where we've come to. Because if you're talking to me, like we're talking right now, there isn't anything else that you need. I don't care if you don't know how you're going to pay your bills next week. Right now in this moment, you're okay. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. Yeah. And then that also, um, the one thing we haven't talked about is what that gives out to the world then that this... It, for as good as this is for each of us and right. just, you know, to even just feel more grounded talking about very difficult topics right now. It's also, you change what you put out into, is that right? Fair? Yeah. It's all about energy. Yeah. It's all about energy, right? So my, my vibe affects your vibe. So when I'm in an anxious state, I affect everybody around me. I was having a little bit of anxiety about getting something done earlier this morning and it's mm -hmm. 12 year old, right? That's an example of my vibe affects your vibe. I can take it deeper than that. If I affect you, then you're going to go affect someone else. It's going to shift your vibration if you're not conscious and you will affect somebody else. But even on a deeper level, when we look at energy and talking about being lawyers, if you know what your energetic state is, and you're in control, you are so much more powerful because you begin to understand the energy of everyone around you. And what that does is I call it a superpower in the courtroom, because if I know who I am and what I'm bringing in, and I'm really clear about that, and I got news for everyone that's, you know, who hasn't thought about it, if you think you're going in front of a jury and telling a story that you don't believe, they absolutely yeah. know you don't believe it. Oh, you don't no. have to say the word. Snip it out. Yeah, yeah. Energy, right. So that's the energy that we put out. So knowing when I'm in a courtroom or with anyone, I mean, even when I'm with you, if I'm tuning in that I know what's happening with you, the more you practice that, the better, you know, the, the, the more in depth, the skill comes like you can do it one-on-one -on -one with your friends and family, but you can do it when you're talking to jurors or to a witness. It's like you start to understand the energy of what's happening yeah. on a whole nother level. So yes, what my vibe is and also my understanding of that is affects everyone. And then there's a bigger collective look at this of when you talk about the energy of the world mm -hmm. in a pandemic is an anxiety. That's a vibe vibration on a whole nother level that in some way is affecting all of us. Oh yeah. And being really conscious of that so that you don't get sucked into it. So when we go back to that first part and we talked about energy, the conversations we have, our energy drains or their energy. This is an energy fueling conversation. But if I was sitting here talking about, I don't know, you know, how, um, if I wanted to get really back down, bogged down in statistics and oh, yeah. people aren't doing right and all of that, that's the energy drain, right? Yeah. You know, and it's so funny you should say that because on a micro level, it, even as we've been talking and I've been listening and we started talking about what you give out and I became just a little bit more conscious of that as we were talking, um, for those listening at home. So we're sheltering in place here in Arizona and we've got two litigators in this house, one doing a mediation out in the backyard on Zoom, <laughs> us in here in the med meditation room. As I got more centered, I kid you not, Bella, my dog, bumped the door open and wanted to come stand next to me. She's here right, right. now. And it, yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. She felt something shift in this room and she wanted to go feel it and be yeah. part of it. 
It's so true. I'm so glad that you said that because as lawyers, when you are the most centered, grounded person, you naturally, unconsciously, are the and energetically the person that people want to follow. So if you're grounded and centered in your energy, just like you just described with Bella, you will be the person that they will connect with more. If you come in with anxiety and fear, we literally back up from that. Oh, yeah. Because we don't want to feel it. We have a an unconscious response to that. It's literally we, repulsive. So when we're really grounded, people are really drawn into us and animals instinctually know that too, right? They're way more tuned into energy than we are. And they're way better at being in the present moment, right? Yeah. You yell, yell at them in the morning. The last thing you did was fuss at them. You come home, they have totally forgotten it. And they are in the moment about just seeing you, right? And happy and thrilled and everything else. And that's really the way that we should be living if we can come back to just being in this in this moment in place. But when we're really grounded, people are really drawn to us. That's a, that's an amazing power to understand. That's why another reason why it's so important to know how to harness and manage your energy. Yeah. So Lexley, in addition to the breath, can you give maybe other simple examples of things our friends can do at home right now that are? Yeah. So my second one, the first, first was using the breath, right? Right. Right. So the first, and that's really important because we want to control the physical response. If our nervous system is still really heightened, it's hard to get into a place of being empowering. Um, so the first is using your breath, long, slow, deep breaths. If you can remember the seven breath perfectly, seven in, hold seven, seven out, hold, hold out seven, all in and out through the nose. Okay. A few rounds of that and you will feel feel more centered. The second thing that you want to do is that you want to create a statement or a list of statements that are empowering for you. So one right now for everyone that you can use in any circumstances is right now I'm I have everything I need. Right now I'm safe. If we go back to the example of the, the trial example that we did and we lost, using some statements there that remind you of why you're a good lawyer and why your work matters. So I'm a loving person who's making a difference in the world. I am caring, I am kind, I am smart, I am adaptable. All of these are really good statements. It's like looking at, I would say a good journal exercise would be to say, what are the things that you know about yourself that are your strengths? Write them down as I am statements. And let's talk about this situation right now with the pandemic. What if your law firm, what if you had the worst case scenario and you had a failure and you had to take, take bankruptcy right now? Well, I bet that there are times in your life that you can think about that you've had failures that you came back from. So you might think about that and think about what about that allowed me to get up again. I'm, I'm strong. I'm persistent. I'm passionate. I, I want to make a difference. These are all could be empowering statements. And I literally would write them out and take a picture of them and put them on your phone so that when you find yourself in anxiety, and you catch yourself in that train of thought that's disempowering, stop it. Sometimes I say, put a period, just think you're mentally think you're putting a period at the train of thought, 
take some breaths and go back and read those empowering statements and feel that again to reset yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I think, you know, the final thing I would say is the number one way I know of shifting our energy and the moment. And it's so simple and it sounds, you know, it might even sound a little woo woo in some ways, but it's so simple. If I want to shift my energy, coming back to the present moment and then going into gratitude. Yeah. So I could worry about how I'm going to pay for things a week from now, or I can be in so much gratitude that I am sitting in a home that I love, that I am on, I have the technology to be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, talking to you and that, you know, I'm in gratitude that I woke up this morning and I have health coming back to the basics. So that's one of the most empowering techniques I know that will take your mind off the the crazy train, off the anxiety train and bring you back to right now. I love that. And, and it's consistent with what we're going to be encouraging in Athena, which is to focus on the positive, yes. focus on what you do well, keep that. We have plenty of programming in our lives, starting from little kids, about the negative. Right. And this is about literally laying the tape again, yes. really creating a different narrative of your life. I'm I am strong. I am powerful. Um, I have a girlfriend here in the Valley who um, does intuitive work and she published a little day calendar with affirmations. My pets are healthy and happy. Right. My body feels good today. Right. I have enough to eat in this house. Like, and it's such lawyers at this point, all we can at least have the enough to eat. Look at yourself. You have enough to, you know, (laughs) plus reserves. And, and just changing that narrative is so powerful and such a real paradigm shift. It, I think it, that we can't be, yeah, that negative motivates and it doesn't. We've been told a really nasty uh, mistruth with that. Negative does, can get you to move your booty a little bit, but in terms of the bigger growth, it's going to come from treating yourself yeah. with the same kindness you try to treat other people. Negative will get you moving, but in a state of anxiety, which is disempowering. You're losing energy in that space. You cannot maintain it without having some type of effects on the mind and the body, whether that's lack of sleep or, you know, sickness, illness, whatever. So this idea that everything begins with a the most important thing is learning to, to have awareness of what your thoughts are and then starting to do things to train your mind differently. And so even the meditation practices that we're talking about, that's what we're, what we mean by that. But even in meditation, you start to realize the quality of your thoughts. Yeah. Ones that are anxious that are like putting you like, holy cow, all I do is think, you know, and I'm even, I'm a long time meditator and my meditation, I meditate every single day, but I'm going to tell you my meditation in the last two weeks, my mind has been all over the place and it's just, it's normal because we're out of our sorts. Right. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing that and say, okay, well then what I can do right now is I can take a breath. I can remind myself that I'm okay and be in gratitude for everything that I have right now. And that is a really important part of being adaptive, which is a part I know of Athena's work. I know as a warrior, 
we have to be adaptive. We have to think on our feet. We have to be willing to, to, to respond to whatever is coming, the blue, right? And that's what we're all being called to do right now in this pandemic. And the number one of the best ways to be adaptive is to look for the opportunities. And looking for the opportunities is being in a state of gratitude. It really is. So that's what's so important. Also, Joy, we didn't talk about this, and we can cut this part off as far as... We can see it, you know. No, I was going to tell you that I have um, I have a link that I can share with you okay. that is um, mindset tips. I call them neuro tips for, for more happiness and success. And within it, it has links to three recorded meditative practices. Oh, so awesome. that they can try three different things, three different types of meditations so they can experience that it's not about just sitting and being quiet. Mm-hmm. And these are ones that I find work really well with lawyers. So that will be something else I can give you. Oh, that'd be great. We can cross share that too on our site. Yeah. Um, so Lexley, if people want to get in touch with you and work with you, you mentioned that you have a, um, you do individual consulting. You also have a mastermind program, which is like group kind of, I say group coaching of lawyers who have graduated from your individual coaching. Right. Yeah, I do. And I, so we do individual coaching one-on-one. I have a mastermind that I run for lawyers that is a yearly program. I also do workshops. I, I come into firms and work with teams and helping in team building and, you know, helping you with your, not just your personal, you know, we all should have a personal mission statement, but bringing in what is our team's mission statement and work like that. Um, so the best way to get in touch with me, you could visit the website at mindoverlaw.com. My email, is simple because it's my name, Lexley at LexleyOverton.com. And I'm sure you'll have all this on the show page for them. We will. We will. Lexley, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being a a real positive force at a time when people need that more Mm -hmm. than ever. Well, thank you for having me. And I absolutely love what you're doing. And um, I can't wait for the the next show on Athena. I know you're doing strategy next. Yes. 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 Thank you. Lexley, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Athena in the Well podcast. Join us each week when we apply the lessons of the goddess Athena to the lives of women trial lawyers, helping you to find your voice, take your space, and command the courtroom.